Hello beautiful people and welcome back to Erotic Wisdom, the fascinating wonderment of living in a body. I am Mrs. Love, your host, and today the Laboratory of Love is taking place at the house of my wonderful guest, nonetheless my divine friend, Alex, cousin or Shwen. I didn't ask you how would you like to be introduced. Cousins, as Cousin. the married woman that I am. Fantastic. <laughs> Mrs. Cousin. Mrs. Cousin. <laughs> so here we are in Cape Town at Alex's house. And um, we're going to have another wonderful conversation. Um, and I thought today to bring to you this conversation about the eros of fasting. So Alex is um, uh, much experienced in the realm of um, long de detoxification, cellular de detoxification. And she's been a great mentor for me in this realm. And, um, and I just thought, let's see what this conversation wants to bring about. But because, of course, my theme is around eros and eroticism, and I actually have witness in your life. I've known Alex for about 17 years. Mm -hmm. And we both are immigrants in Cape Town. And uh, so we've seen each other going through so much. Uh, we met each other, we were single, she was unmarried, and we weren't mother. And now we're sitting both mother. Our girls are born actually a week apart. So we were pregnant together That's at the same right. time. And uh, so, yeah, lots of life has happened. But I have to say that I've never seen you so um, in your erotic embodiment mm -hmm. than when you started to work with the fast. Yeah. And I really saw your body um, flow with you and um, dance with you and uh, you really penetrating yourself if you want to lose this language. Um, and so I really witnessed the the erotic embodiment that happened when we fast. Mm -hmm. w would you like, is it the same for you? Would you like to speak about this? Yes, in fact, a couple of days ago, whenever I read a, a post that you did where you spoke about, um, I think it was the first podcast where you spoke about the, the real joy of being in a body and this infinite exploration of yeah, being in a body, the fascinating wonderment of being in a body. And it's so reverberated through my body because that's the truth that I touched upon through fasting. And I feel like I had been looking for that connection and for that embodied experience in my body for so many years mm. through yoga yeah. and meditation and dancing and, you know, all these activities that I chased in all corners of the world. And I never, ever thought that fasting would bring that to me. In fact, I would say I was the last person that would ever think of herself as a fasting expert. You know, if somebody would have asked me 10 years ago, will you ever be a fasting expert? I would have said anything else but that. And so the fact that now I'm sitting here and I'm teaching fasting and detoxification is like, wow, how did that happen? But the fascinating wonderment, yes, the fascinating wonderment that brought me to this, and it through fasting, I really discovered, as you said, the the eros 
the eros of life. And so how did it happen? Well, I think it's in the emptiness. I think for me, also coming from a history of eating disorder, 30 years of eating Mm. disorder, quite severe at times. Um, You know, again, the paradox is that I found what I was looking for, not in food, but in the absence of food, but also in the not punishing absence of food, which it could have been because of my history. And rather, I discovered the freedom of not needing to eat or not needing to be attached to food. And then what opens up in my beingness when food is not there to distract me? Mm. I think that was the big aha moment, you know? And so what happened in your being when you're not distracted? It's this feeling everything, feeling all of life, feeling my emptiness Mm. and in the emptiness, feeling the totality. So all these things that I read about that in many ways also you spoke about and that I always looked at you and I thought, wow, maybe one day I will experience that too. Mm. And I couldn't really grasp it. It was like, how do you go and experience that? You know, even sexually, funny enough, Mm. sexually, you know, I mean, I did some tantric work here and there. I would dip in and out and somehow it never really got me to where I wanted to go. And then the fasting did it. Yeah. And through the fasting, which even though fasting initially, you know, because I started really fasting with my husband, we both did 21 day, well 40 days and 21 days and so forth and and so even though at first in the fasting journey the libido completely vanished uh-huh. which is very normal hmm. but even in that vanishing of the libido there was an eros there yes of just lying naked side by side baking in the sun because we were freezing because we were fasting and this being so quiet, so empty, so full together and knowing where each other was and that we were complete. And in that something opened up and, and, you know, in fact, I, I would go as far as saying it has changed our marriage because as much as our marriage has been always beautiful and sweet, many times we felt that the missing link of our marriage was the passion or the sexual connection. And at some point we thought, well, you know, we have everything else. Maybe this is just something that, you know, is just not our thing. And more and more and more, which with each cycle of fasting and deep cleansing, we are actually finding a new kind of sexuality and eros that is so beautiful and playful and expansive. Hmm. So it's really shifted us in major ways. Hmm. And also, like you say, you know, the, the libido drop at the beginning. And for me, you know, when I hear this word, it feels like it's another fix, like mm-hmm. the food. I want to put something in my body. And sometimes sex becomes like this. I want to have another body inside my body. So maybe I get to know who I am because this emptiness, it's unbearable. But the fast forces you to sit in that emptiness. You mentioned it yes, just before. And, yes. and then something happened there that, that is an erotic experience with reality. 
it's mm-hmm. also not so much related to another human being it's for me becomes the romance with life yes. you know the the erotic experience with wisdom you know yes. sometimes i can get all eroticized by thoughts <laughs> by truth mm-hmm. and life and, as it is life yes. as it is there's no romance there's no story there's no attachment yeah what what comes to mind also is that in this whole process you know and and i use this this sort of saying or phrase a lot everything has received its rightful place mm. you know there's no more questions or well there's questions uh, rather wonderments but there's no more needing to know yeah whereas before i felt like i was always seeking i was a seeker yeah and i was a desperate seeker in some way i was a hungry seeker and there was this pushing on and and if it's not this course then the next one and if it's not this medicine journey the next one and healer and and so forth so there was always something to chase after and now finally it feels like i have arrived into the river of life and here i am and i am and i am and i am and there's no more desiring anything else but what is happening in the moment yeah that's beautiful and and i and i can feel this this is tangible Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say earlier when you were speaking about your fasting experience with Gary and you know about sexuality and erotic experience that even you know without the partner you as a human being always feel like you're having an orgasm mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. you know it's like with yourself yes. the way you talk the way you walk and i love that this is for me is really inspiring because mm. i feel that part of me where i'm still seeking with a little bit of still desperation you know that i'm still catching up my breath and when you talk you're so poised it feels like mm. you have arrived somewhere you might not going to be here in yourself in myself exactly i really feel that's what it is it's it's this complete acceptance also deep acceptance which again came through the fasting because you know in the fasting i mean you almost every day you change and especially at the beginning of the fasting you know where i lost a lot of weight and i sort of towards the end of the fast i really felt like i looked 20 years older everything was hanging and i really saw the wrinkles and you know everything was hanging and flabby <laughs> and at the time my hair was also falling out so i mean it was you know i was trying to heal my body that's really what got me onto this path in the first place for those listening and in that there was i remember at once looking in the mirror and i looked at myself without any criticism from a neutral perspective almost as if god was looking at alex in mm. the mirror and i saw her and then something entered and it was like yeah right now she is ugly but she has a right to be ugly too there was there was something even erotic and empowering in going fuck yeah i have a right to be ugly i don't need to be beautiful for anybody not even for my husband thank you wow. i can just peace. yeah be. the right to be ugly yes it's uh, it's such a freedom such it a liberation was, yes that was i feel that was such a turning point and 
something sort of like shattered of going like, well, I can be anything because again, in the fasting, then as you refeed and then you fast another journey, you know, like you lose weight, you gain some weight, you become puffy because certain foods don't agree with you. That's the learning path, you know, and to no longer feel like you need to apologize for any of that because like I'm doing this for me. Yeah. This is my journey. I'm not doing this for my husband. I'm not doing this for the world out there. As much as I have my moments where I can fall into the illusion that I'm doing it for them. Yeah. But ultimately, I know this is my intimate dance with my reality. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, what you're saying makes so much sense because I had few questions lined up for you because your perspective is so enlightening and I've been listening to other interviews that you have done before and some of your video and so I was bringing the question to you what is fear because I would like to hear from your perspective you know we, we had a little chat earlier mm. um, because in my experience what you're saying all the things we do for the other because underneath it there is the fear of being um, rejected or abandoned so if i'm beautiful i will be loved i will Mm -hmm. be included Mm -hmm. i will be part of a community and then all be well no this is i'm meant to be loved by others and it's always there is this piece that yeah i could be ugly but if i am here with me then i'm always in bliss i'm Mm -hmm. always in heaven it wouldn't matter and by paradox, when I then love myself, the other will feel the attraction to come towards me. Absolutely. Because I am rich within. Yeah. Is yeah. the point we say with the erotic experience with your husband. You're not looking for something from him, mm-hmm. but you're sharing from your fulfillment of being fully yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you, you can share it with another. Mm-hmm. So what would you say? This I just say what fear, you know, in my yes. personal experience what is fear for you and and because yeah well i i feel fear you know ultimately our greatest fear and i feel that's true for everybody is that we all fear death you know we all fear Mm. i think that's ultimately because yes i know the fear of like well if i'm not beautiful enough i'm going to be abandoned but ultimately and then i will die you know or Mm. i will die alone so i feel the ultimate fear is the fear of death and they're also through the process of fasting and because again when I started fasting I was ill I I so got in touch with the part of me that was so ill and weak and I saw the possibility of death you know I saw how in fact I saw how in some ways I had a what I call the slayer in me that wanted to die because she didn't want to go through the effort of claiming the life that she truly wanted. Oh, yeah. I can relate to that. Right? Yeah. So it, it seems yeah. so big. It seems so big and so hard to say, this and this and this is what I want. This is my dream, my specific dream, you know? And it seemed so hard. And I realized when I saw that in myself, I realized, wow, my whole life, as much as I thought I was going after my dream, 
I was going after a substitute dream because it was kind of like, well, the real dream I can't have because that's like, who are you to have the real dream? So you can't have the real dream because it's too crazy. It's too far out there. It's not hmm. going to be liked by many. But you can have the substitute dream, which at the time, you remember, I was be I was in fashion. And so I was doing the yeah. $25,000 handbags, you yeah, know, yeah, which, yeah. as if the world needs that. <laughs> and, but, and I realized, oh my goodness, that was a substitute. And I was trying so hard because I thought, well, I can't have what I really want. But hey, at least I'll be a famous fashion designer. I do like fashion. I'll get to buy what I want. That's kind of satisfying, isn't it? I thought. Hmm. And I'll get to travel and, you know, so, but then I realized that's the substitution. And the substitution will never work, will never satisfy you. That is why we see all these, not all, but a lot of wealthy people unsatisfied, unhappy, bitter, resentful, mm. right? Mm. It's because they're not going after what they truly want. They're going after the substitution dream. And it's so, easier, no? Yeah, because it's Cause easier. it takes a lot of courage to really go after the, the true dream. Right, because the true dream is what, in some ways, you're willing to die for. Yeah. You know? Like, I wasn't willing to die for the handbags. But what I'm doing now, I'm fearless. And I, because I know that this is what I came here to do. And it's not that it's easy. It's hard. Because I'm still continuously, on a day-to-day -day basis, in this reclamation of kind of like stomping my foot and saying this is what I want and and it's and it's a continuous mm. redefining and refining it you know but so fear is the fear of death the fear of dying with our unrealized purpose and that is what often, I think, makes us bitter, but then we chase after the wrong thing. So let's go back to that piece you were sharing when in your crisis, in your personal crisis, you saw this layer mm. that was prepared to kill you, to die. Yes. Because you weren't living your true dream, so might as well... Yes. Get well, out Well, I think the slayer was the part of me that thought... Who do you think you are to mm. be able to live your dream? Don't be ridiculous. So, so what happened got you to get you out of there? It was owning it. It was owning it and seeing how I had manifested my disease so that I could witness the slayer mm. and so that I could witness that my disease was self-manifest and then <sighs> it wasn't you know like and and it shifted my whole concept around disease because i grew up very hypochondriac i was i was always hypochondriac you know about anything i, I was always sick with something in my mind and once i realized that hang on actually there is no such thing as disease Disease is not something that comes from outside. It's always created from within. On one hand, from within through our emotions, which is a big part. 
And then even when we, you know, of course, the foods that we eat or the chemicals that we get exposed also, if you will, are in some way self-created because when you live in full alignment, you are not going to be exposed to certain elements. So it, it, it's almost like, you know, sometimes people tell me, oh, but, you know, I was so unlucky, like I have, I have heavy metal poisoning or, you know, I lived in this apartment, it was moldy. And there, what I try and teach people is, well, but the fact that you were living in an apartment with mold already meant that you were not in your highest vibratory alignment. So this low frequency of mold was actually the friend that came to wake you up. So thank you, mold. Thank you, disease. Mm. Thank you, whatever it mm. is. You know, mm. it reflected the mold that was already living inside of them. Yes, it was the mirror. Yes, yeah. Wow, yeah, it's a big piece. This um, uh, it really touches me. This the the biggest fear of fully living. You mm. know that uh, there is. We think we fear death, and then when we explore, turns out we we fear fully living our dream. It's totally. It's so, it's a big piece. It's a paradox. Eh? Mm -hmm. So, and tell me something about, I saw a post you wrote a few days ago about um, uh, being super, uh, being a divine human versus being a superhuman. Yes. How, how it is being divine human for you? What does it mean for you to so, be yeah, divine this... human? This also through this process of cleansing and so forth, where I've, my learning has been when we live in accordance to nature and we eat species specific foods, which are really fruit and vegetables, then and we we bring our body back to its quote original state, because in many ways, you know, for so many generations, we've been eating foods that are not in our divine human interest. Hmm. Like we've had to adapt, you know, through industrialization and, and, and so forth and migration. We've had to adapt to eat foods to survive. But just because we can survive on certain foods like grains and meats and dairy doesn't mean that we thrive on them. And at the same time, the body being so super adaptive as it is, we have learned to also to a degree thrive on them but on a more mechanical sense hmm. because the reality is in my experience and my studies is that our endocrine system, which is really the seat or rather the endocrine system is the motor motor slash filter for spirit. In other words, if our hmm. hypothalamus, if our pineal gland, which, hmm. you know, we talk about often in the spiritual world, if our pituitary gland and so forth and adrenals, if they're not functioning, functioning optimally, then they are not going to be able to be the perfect antenna and transmitter for divine energy, for source energy. Is this what you call the electric body? Also? Yes. 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 That's why we are an electric yeah, body. I love you know? that. <laughs> and... So when the endocrine system is not working optimally, we are going to be like a bad radio station. Mm -hmm. The radio still works, 
the volume is loud, mm-hmm. but it's a bit mm, disturbed. It's disturbed. So it's like we are very disturbed. We're very disturbed. We're very confused. Very confused. Because the message is like, we yeah. can't read. What is it? What is it? And because eating a predominantly animal-based diet, grain diet, which is all mucus forming, that is going to create disturbance in our radio system, in our electric body. And so no matter how hard we try, and this is personal experience, no matter how many yoga classes or medicine journeys, we're not going to be able to hold the frequency that is coming through from source. Source is always communicating with us right yeah and source not just god but nature nature is god nature is divine nature is infinitely wise and so we won't be able to hear all these messages and then we start thinking as i did too that there's special people out there that can deliver special messages they can Mm -hmm. hear the plants or the wisdom of whatever it's like no we all can it's it's our complete natural state being intuitive, knowing exactly what to, what to do and when to do it, that's our natural state. It's not a superhuman quality. Yeah, we're naturally. We're uh, naturally. Super, we have superpower naturally, yes. actually. We just have shriveled, yeah. literally, our glands. Yeah. Our glandular system is shriveled up. You know, I mean, we know that pineal gland is calcified, hypothalamus is shriveled up, thymus gland, etc. So it's really a glandular dysfunction that then leads to spiritual dysfunction, which then leads to personality dysfunction. And then we go and give it a label and we say, oh, he's a sociopath, she's a narcissist. But those are just labels that are, you know, from a mechanical standpoint. But the truth is actually we are spiritually disturbed and disconnected. Yeah. Why? Because we're not eating a, a human designed diet and you know and that's where also i feel like i'm very non-dogmatic about this because i feel like you know we can all handle 10 15 percent of poison so if your delight is eating some cheese or filler here and again enjoy it you know Mm. like or realize that you can so it's not about being strictly vegan strictly plant-based but it's about understanding how does your body work what does it need to function optimally and to be a divine superconductor? Because otherwise you end up like the vast majority of people where your highest attainment may be to be superhuman, mm-hmm. meaning that you can get fixed and snipped into perfection by the surgeon, uh, like by, a robot. Like yeah. a robot. So you become a robot. And that is what like we're the seeing. Bionic, the bionic yes, woman. Exactly. <laughs> so do you want to be the bionic woman or do you want to be the divine, super connected woman who maybe doesn't look, quote, as perfect, you know, to the, the poisoned eye because our eyes have been poisoned, you know. So we think that this plastic perfection is beauty but actually it's plastic yeah also what makes me feel when i hear you speak like this is when we are truly who we are 
then we need to handle all the emotional waves that are coming to our meetings. And when we are robot, there is very little emotional expression. Totally. You know, like um, a lot of women that have a lot of Botox and plastic surgery, they don't deliver expression through their face mm-hmm. any longer. Mm-hmm. And yet, the poisoned eyes, as you call it, perceive that as beauty. Because then it doesn't mean I have to engage with my heart being mm-hmm. in this meeting with this robotic woman, she's beautiful because yeah. uh, I don't have to feel too many feelings and, and somehow we can carry on with our disconnection, mm-hmm. ra- disconnected radio state, station. Mm-hmm. So how beauty become also um, fits into this society that doesn't want to be challenged. That's exactly know, to it. To feel the deep feeling yeah. and the real movement that as human being we are here to engage with Mm -hmm. that's why i always say if you don't want to be disturbed don't fast don't do the fast (laughs) don't go into cellular detoxification you know because it's a journey of first deep disturbance and deep realizing or owning also the the deep disconnect the deep state of dis-ease that we have cultivated in our body through unconscious living. Yeah. So it's not a fault, but we have to own the damage that we have done to our bodies without drama and simply by going, okay, this is what it is, but wow, I have the capacity to reclaim myself back also without any great urgency, unless you have acute disease, then yes, things are a little bit more urgent for a while. But the body recovers relatively quickly, mm-hmm. you know, as I've mm-hmm. discovered. I mean, I was bedridden five years ago. And after two rounds of fasting, I felt well enough again to see that l- there was a possibility of life again, mm. you know, mm. which to me, that is what blew my mind. And that is what gave me kind of the the kick to share this journey with with people because i realized for flip's sakes we're not told this we are told i get so many people who've been told you will never heal from this you know this is for life no matter if it's acne or if it's ms yeah your disturbance what we say before we are all disturbed and they tell us forever that's who you are sorry that's your profile and um, learn to live with it yeah. And when in reality, when you clear the disturbance, when you tune the frequency, yes, your electric body can start to function properly, yeah? Yeah, it comes alive. Yeah. And in that aliveness, that's really where my freedom came from, where I realized, wow, I don't have to be afraid of disease. I don't have to be afraid of living and living my dream because if my body is so perfect if it responds so perfectly to nature if my spirit responds to me loving it what more is possible so for me now the only question really is like what more is possible you know what how how much of my dreams of my and and dreams being you know of my peculiar or particular dreams can i manifest why because what else is there to do yeah so that's yeah. really the only that's, question. That's the, that's the Dharma. You know, yes. some people think I have to find my mission and sometimes your mission is just to be you fully, mm-hmm. living your dreams mm-hmm. to your full potential. It's not something other that you have to look into the world. 
it's when you stop looking and moving and you look back it reveals itself to you yeah and also what i love you saying of course i've got the tantric lens you know so for me it's beautiful when um, reality keeps confirming the the the, the fascination of, of tantrism for me it's 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 a love affair mm-hmm. um, when you say about this uh, discordance of the radio station the disconnection in tantrism also we speaks about confusion it's not that you're stupid yes you're not that you're ignorant it's not that you're evil it's not that you are sick and broken no no we said you are confused Mm -hmm. it's just a layer of confusion and if you just clear that then you're all the other that you're looking for you're connected you 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 get to know, you have knowledge, true knowledge, which is divine knowing, that will reconnect you and then you can manifest, you remember. So, like, it's beautiful to see this way, it's inspiring that nothing is terminal, that we don't mm-hmm. have to live with, uh, oh, I was born like this, so that's just how I am. And yeah. then we can never become who we would dream because we we have this you know condition we are born with there is there is none of that that's what i feel you know it's the wisdom you bring with your with the fasting with the teaching that you're sharing and um, you just got this by personal experience you know Mm -hmm. like with tantrism uh, i i gain it by reading the knowledge and by watching you transforming i really saw you getting that from your internal knowing the deeper you went inside, the same teaching surface. Um, it's humbling and it's, uh, it's really inspiring. Mm, thank you. So what is your dream? Living your dream. It's something specific or it's something it is, that is, it is shaping itself? Well, I mean, there were several pieces. You know, on one hand, the, the first piece of the dream was I wanted to live with my children all the time as in I didn't want to send my children to school and for the first couple of years they did go to school and I just couldn't see how that could change and then from one day to the next I realized in order for me to be healthy which then was connected to their health as well was I need to take them out of school they need to be with me and it's actually only several years later after having done their human design system where I get confirmation of how true and right that Mm. decision was Mm. you know and it seemed so crazy at the time because of course we unschool so we completely you know free and that was such a big thing but I just had to listen it was a physical necessity and the other thing was I wanted to have this beautiful connection and and marriage the way that I imagined it in my imagination with my husband and I you know somehow we kept falling short a little bit and now through the process of fasting and everything it seems like wow they're also we've arrived like we this is my man I don't have to swap him out <laughs> you know which for many years that was in you the back of my mind him. yes I don't need to change him he is perfect as he is and and, and I'm perfect as I am and we're perfect for one another and there's been this real landing in the sweetness of our marriage and the perfection of it and that it's got everything like it's got all the flavors that I desired 
and and now the next dream in many ways you know which is what we're about to realize two steps really it was living in the tropics and living it was again the physical necessity of living in a place without doors and no windows mm. and to mm. just be in this beautiful warm weather <clears throat> fruits available and all of that and so we're moving to bali and opening a center there and that was you know part of the dream to be able to have a place i mean people say oh you're building a business i don't feel like i'm building a business i feel like i'm building a large home for people to come and for soul mm. family to come and gather and to to just heal mm. so yeah that and, and that for me was and it was a place like our place is imperfectly perfect it's not about you know delivering kind of cookie cutter programs for everybody but it's about coming and experiencing what does it feel like when you come into a space where your soul is truly nourished because there is no other agenda than your nourishment of your mm. highest you know which in many ways was what i was always seeking when i was a seeker i kept looking for a place to land where my soul was seen and nourished and uplifted beyond what maybe the teachers could even fathom right so for me it's like i i always see infinite potential in people i never see limitation and when people come to us that's what they get they get no body no limit hmm. they get totality that is what i feel really we give them total possibility mm -hmm. total possibility the connection to total possibility and then what you do with that whether you do something quote big or quote small it doesn't matter you know it's this feeling of like just do and be your highest joy and trust that that is what will heal you and give joy to the world and manifest all your dreams you know because mm. i feel like we've made this whole thing so difficult it, it's where in reality it's so simple it's just play and be you in in all its facets right instead of like trying to still adapt our facets by being spiritual by being good yeah by being someone that i want to be someone else yes my, my friend told me the other day it's apparently these are the line of a song i try so hard to be myself i became someone else <laughs> so it's like who is really here not the one i wish yes. to be yes. you know you touched this early in the fast the beginning is hard mm -hmm. because we are doing all the the toxicity we accumulated often in trying to please other mm -hmm. and so thinking that i becoming myself but actually no i'm not myself i'm someone else completely and this someone else needs to fall off me first and it's painful because we become attached it's very painful yeah well it's not even so much the attachment i think it's the it's the having to realize and own that oh all this all these parts are actually not who i am but if i and I can only see who I am not 
by feeling it. Yeah. Whereas if I don't want to feel it, which is most people don't want to go there, right? We want to feel only the pleasure. But feeling pain, eh, you know, mm. we go, that's not mm. necessary. Mm. Um, there's so much of that going on now, you know, especially in the spiritual development world. Oh, no, we, we don't need to go into pain. Yes, I hear this a lot. So we don't need to spend time in processing. And, and I question this for myself. Really, you are telling me there is a, it's a bypass from, and it pain is. is so rich and uh, it, it contains, I mean, what you said, even to, to realize what I'm not, it brings me closer to my potential of what I can yes. be. It's, it's very important to have that very clear. And, uh, I, and I feel in, in the fast, my bigger teaching, it is like with everything. First come the pain and then come the bliss. You know, it's like exactly. another muscle. If I can exercise, how I can stay present in the pain, then I can stay present in the bliss. Because, exactly, let's speak about this a little bit. Also, to be present in the bliss is not so easy. No. Everybody wants this high, this joy, and the connection. And it's not easy to be there unless we also practice to be really present in the things I also don't like. It's um, mm-hmm. How's your experience there? Is it easy to be blissful all the time? Well, no, that joyful? was the hardest thing initially. You know, even in a sense to be healthy, to have energy was hard because I was so used to feeling tired all the time, feeling brain fogged, feeling so super emotional because again, my glands were all, you know, messed up. So I was so used to all of those feelings. I was so used to feeling um, hostage of my eating disorder that when I started to feel healthy and whole it was and connected, it was such a foreign experience that even though my body was ready for it, it was kind of like my soul for a long time was still in disbelief. You know, my soul, my, not my soul, my personality, hmm. my personality, that's it. And, and then I had to let go of my personality, you know, the personality had to fall away. And now in a sense, there is no more story. There's no more identity even really. It's like, I don't, you know, there's times really when I have no clue, it's, it's interesting. And this happens, especially when I'm fasting Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night when I'm fasting and because of course there's still deeper layers, you know, that are continuously healing and um, I wake up and then I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I have Ah. this moment, you know, usually it lasts Ah. maybe like five seconds, but where I find myself sort of thinking in my brain, like I try and really strain my brain. I go like, okay, hang on. Am I, like, I know I'm Alex, but am I a man or am I a woman? And am, or am I Gary? (laughs) You know, I've had this experience quite a few times. And then I realized, wow, because there is kind of complete dissolution of, dissolution, dissolution of the personality. And there is just is it's this isness you know yeah. this is this is what i am this is what's moving through me in this moment and there's no more attachment to well no more attachment and no more judgment so to go back on the pain thing 
I think the reason why so often we don't want to sit with our pain is really because we judge it. Yeah. You know, we judge ourselves for feeling pain instead of going, oh, I wonder what this pain is trying to tell me. You know, like even any pain that happens in the body, pain is always there as a messenger. And the only reason why pain persists is because we're not listening. So when people tell me they've got chronic pain, I say, oh, you haven't been listening for a long time. (laughs) You know, that's all that is. Yeah. And typically, very quickly, when they have chronic pain, chronic health issues, we can pinpoint exactly what it is that they haven't been listening to. And then, of course, they want to go and make it. They want to make a story about, no, but hang on. It's because my liver and it's because my this and it's because my that. And I say, sure, that's also because the liver, the body is a physical manifestation of what goes on into in, in, in our energetic body, you know. But that's secondary. What happens first is what are you not listening? What are you not living out soul-wise? You know, yeah. where is the disconnect? And, and for me, that is the erotic wisdom piece because it's of the body. Eros is of the body. Mm-hmm. And the body brings wisdom all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, are we listening or not? But is the, the eros of the body telling you there is pain? That's also an erotic experience. Yes. It's of the senses. Yes, absolutely. It evokes emotion. And it's not, you know, for me, ero- erotic is not just a sexual experience of being in... Um, in a, in a sex act with someone mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. When I speak about Eros, it's exactly this. Mm-hmm. The senses are booked in my body um, where they are talking to me to guide me somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so pain also, it's erotic wisdom. It is. Interestingly enough. Yes. If we can change that perception just as disease, you know, yeah. I, I really feel that the biggest, my biggest wish for humanity, what I would like to give to humanity is I would like to take people's fear of disease and I would really love to turn it around into almost an excitement for a state of disease because when there is dis-ease it means there is an invitation for ease Hmm. so if we let go you know and and this of course is a it's a whole conversation on its own in some ways because I can see how, especially for people with chronic disease or with acute cancer stages, they are so caught in their identity, in, in, in who they thought they were, hmm. that they can't fathom letting go of that enough to become nobody hmm. so that they can become who they <sighs> truly are. Yeah. And that's what kills them. Yeah. You know? Wow. Sure. Yeah. What a peace, Alex. It is. Beautiful dream you have mm. to to turn fear into excitement of disease. Wow. Yeah. It's a big peace. <laughs> I guess because I've been so afraid, you know, I've been so yeah. afraid for so many years of disease. I am too. I mean, when I'm preparing this, I'm feeling my own fear, you know. I was asking my daughter, you know, like, what are you fear? What are the fear? What do we fear? 
and disease is the big one it is but also because i you know i as everybody else we get taught that fear just i mean disease just comes yeah you know it's the unknown yes it just hits you and and then you're screwed basically you know and if you're lucky you can fix it but oftentimes you know you're screwed and that that is such a lie it is such mm. a lie disease is cultivated within our body long before it becomes manifest in the body first of all and second of all no matter how far gone you are if you're willing if and when you're willing to let go of everything that you've learned and you're willing which of course is a big one to understand that you know your body it's it's like a plant a plant doesn't just die a plant if you treat it well if the soil is good if there's sun you know if if all the right conditions are there there is no way a plant's going to die now my green thumb is non-existent funny enough you know so i've killed many plants but that's because i realize i haven't given them the right circumstances yeah but i realize fully that if if nat- like nature is so perfect that when the circumstances are right we can heal and thrive but of course the mystery then remains the soul it's the soul that decides and so if we are disconnected from our soul the way most of us are then we are disconnected from our life from our life force that brought you here that brought us here and i really believe that every single one of us came here because it's a big force that brought us here and it's also a unique chance like why did we out of all the other millions of sperms you know why did we manifest why did i manifest well because I am a force of nature as everybody is with a specific purpose, desire and mission. Hmm. And that's what keeps us alive. Hmm. You know? But also what I hear you saying is like like the plant that needs all the condition in order to thrive. I'm also hearing you saying we need to have the courage yes. to choose our ideal condition. Because yes. few times you told me was my body request when you're describing your dreams. I don't know exactly what you say, but living in the pro- tropic, you say mm-hmm. was my a body a body request, mm-hmm. my body request, mm-hmm. and it takes courage because now you have to decide to change country, to mm-hmm. pack your children, pack your life as you know it, mm-hmm. and. But if is that your requirement for this plant that you are for your soul? to thrive and we said oh no i just can't change the yeah. house because i just bought it or whatever is the story which is mostly what we do yeah <clears throat> that's usually what we do right you know we i mean that's the story of everybody especially in this corporate world and yeah. you know and romance i just married i can't divorce even if the body asks you to move away from toxic relationship with the mind coming with a lot of story mm-hmm the house, the wealth, the job, and then I can't change it. And uh, I mean, I know you so well, and I know oftentimes you said, yeah, then suffer. <laughs> suffer a little longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 
yeah, it's like maybe we have, and that's true. You know, that's where it comes back to pain. Pain is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Suffering, as Richard Rudd from the Gene Key says, suffering is grace. You know, yeah. when we when we take it, not as self-flagellation, but when we go, okay, wow, I'm suffering, and it's through. I mean, I still suffer. You know, I suffer when I try to wiggle out of fasting. And when I'm in the middle of the fast, I go, oh, but, you know, now it's enough because actually my body's healed and so forth. There's, there's suffering, but I no longer identify with the suffering. I soak the suffering up and I use it to propel me forward and to see, mm. okay, what is it asking of me? You know, mm. and to basically not dramatize it because that's the thing. Yeah. When we dramatize suffering or when we make ourselves a victim through suffering then it can't serve us. Whereas when we go, oh, okay, I'm suffering. How am I actually enjoying this? Mm. You know, what purpose is this suffering serving me? And to realize that even if I don't know what purpose it is serving, I know it is serving a purpose. And already that shifts our mindset. And then we're able to live in this wonderment and then the answers come, you know, and then the suffering is usually short-lived, actually. Yeah, even to just become aware that there is suffering, you know, that I'm not the suffering, but ooh, today I'm experiencing a lot of suffering. What's, what, why? What's out of alignment? Where is my mind going? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I thinking that creates yes. suffering, my suffering? Why am I thinking this way? And uh, can I change it or can I ask for help? You know, sometimes, yeah. I mean, in my, I remember in my fasting, because you inspire me a lot. I mean, I also never thought in my life I would have fasted. It was like a thing that I always judged about people that were doing this thing and doing colonic was really, I always thought, well, if the, the colony is full of shit, it's because it's meant to be there. And, you know, so I shifted my understanding hugely to you. You know, and, and, and you helped me make sense of a lot of things. And so in my fast, you were my, how do you call it, lifeline, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, because, yeah, I remember going into despair and, and making it about me and going into the drama and was enough to reach out and, and you would just help me to see it in a different way or to go, good, it's grace. Oh, you're suffering. And just to have that peace would take the drama out of the process mm-hmm. and then we can look at it just as a process of growth and expansion part of the journey um, that is much greater and I remember I, I would turn that pain into excitement that's exactly what you say you're, you're working your your dream very well to turn the fear of disease into excitement yes you are great at doing that I really feel yes I feel that and I feel that for everybody almost when people come and say oh you know whatever like I've got stage four cancer or I've got you know adrenal fatigue whatever like wow this is exciting because it means your soul is really wanting to direct you towards something greater you know yeah which doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be a famous person or whatever, because greater can simply mean like, what is your greatest joy? Yeah. That's all. I really believe our soul, you know, I mean, we, we come here not to experience suffering. The suffering is so that we can experience the joy that we came here to yeah. experience. And that 
the world needs more people in their highest joy, more people living a sweet marriage, more people being blissfully happy because, I mean, what are we doing here otherwise, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Wow. You, you say it's, you throw so many pearls. I, I'm, I'm really uh, absorbing everything you're saying. And I had a question for you that now I've forgotten because I just, this piece where you say, you know, that we didn't come here to suffer, that the suffering is to point us to the greatest mm. joy and so it's a it's it's a process but it's not the ending that life is we need to survive life i mean i grew up mm -hmm. with my father always speaking about survival yes no one spoke about living life yes we need to survive ah how do we survive this living like it's the biggest effort ever mm -hmm. and we are thrown here to just survive the pain it was never a conversation that after this okay Let's get the pain, let's get our teeth into the pain so that then there is the joy that is pointing towards that, uh, yeah. Well, and there all we need to do is look at nature. You know, that's why one of my greatest really detoxification teachers, you know, oftentimes the greatest teachers tell us few things, but those few things are so poignant and life-changing. And he said, just observe study and understand nature you know just really observe study and mm. understand nature and then imitate it and when he first said that I was like okay and I started to really think about it because I I honor who he is and I thought okay if he said that so pointedly there must be something really about it and in the fasting, you know, I really started to understand, yeah, look at nature, you know, nature is there, it thrives, it, it's lush, it's celebratory, you know, it's, it's there to be fully expressed. It doesn't compete with one another. Yeah. You know, sure, every now and again, big hoo-hahs, whether it's, you know, volcano eruptions or storms or whatever happened, but everything is there to reestablish a greater order. And yeah, there, there's just this joyful thriving in yeah. nature. And it, it's, it's only us really who in many ways live life, many of us, like it's a chore. <clears throat> yeah. Instead of seeing, you know, and also that there is no medal at, at the end of the day for anything. No matter how much you, quote, achieve, you know, because I grew up with this idea that, like, achieving something that you were um, acknowledged for by others was important. And I tried that route until I realized, but that's so not my highest priority. Like, I personally really don't care <clears throat> in the least about what other people think of me. Almost to the point where, you know, some can say, well, that's arrogant, but that's because like, I really don't care. The only thing that I do care is, am I living my highest joy? Because I feel like that's the highest service to God that I can give. So if I'm not living in my highest joy, it's a little bit like saying to God, well, I'm not appreciating the life that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. It's like a tree 
being doubtful about its flowers. Yes. <laughs> not flowering, just... Yeah, not, not, not today. Sure. Not today. <laughs> I'm not going to show my full colors. Yeah. <laughs> just in case it's too much and someone is not going to like them. Yes. <laughs> I've got this flower here, but... Yeah, let me keep it there for later, yes, maybe. We'll, we'll save it. <laughs> when no one is watching and maybe I'll just show it. And in this, like even you spoke about volcano, even the volcano erupting is expressing itself. Mm -hmm, it's the fire mm -hmm. inside and it's red and it's powerful and it's it's expression. And you know what? So we were saying, just a little technical glitch, that uh, yeah, like nature offers itself. It doesn't wait like a volcano explodes in an expression of its inner nature, innermost nature, and is fiery and is red and is destructive. Yeah. Destructive. Destructive. Destructivo. Mm -hmm. And he's not worried about the mess he's gonna make. It also generates waves and and there is like a, a sequence of event, but he's not worried about expressing its innermost nature. Mm -hmm. And I found that us human we are so worried to express our deepest, most inner, innermost nature. We, we always worried about the consequences more than what do we do when we don't do that, when we suppress ourselves, yeah. not looking at the disease we create in ourselves. We give more value about the consequences. People are not going to like me. And again, we go back to the fear. My fear is to be, yeah, um, uh, how do you say disconnected and abandoned mm. and uh, uh, not liked and mm -hmm. not loved not included you know when I go into mm. the core fear the ultimate peace is there but if I am really completely myself who I am what if I'm not going to be liked and I'm going to end up alone and uh, and then disconnection which again is such a you know it's really a crazy thought if we think about yes. it because <laughs> It's like the flower example. And that is where I had during the fasting such an epiphany. I was looking out this very window and I was looking at the bees gathering around the flowers and going in and being so excited about sucking the pollen out. And, and I could just feel this joyful dance that nature is in you know like the flower doesn't go oh bee go away <laughs> you know i don't want you here not today fuck off you're buzzing too loud <laughs> yeah or or not you you know only yeah. the other one can come yeah you know uh, yeah. things like this Preferences. yes there's no preference it's just nature is there it's an offering it's a spectacle and and so i had this this realization of how completely crazy and insane and confused the idea is that that we could possibly be unlovable if we are who we are yeah you know it's kind of like saying the sun could not be liked if it's too hot yeah it's a crazy yeah. thought it's a crazy thought it's, it's a thought that uh, it comes from disconnection Mm -hmm. you know someone instilled that along the way in our growing mind well it's a yeah I, th I think it's a it's a you know it's ingrained in our collective consciousness and on the other hand that also there's nothing wrong with that thought process and belief we had to go there so that we could realize the opposite 
And, you know, I'd, I'd like to end with this thought that even our so-called ugly bits and, you know, which could be like our mean part or our jealous part or whatever you want to call it, that even that ugly part has a place, you know, because I, I feel especially in, in, in spiritual realms, again, there is so much shame mm. about our shadow, so much shame about not being always perfectly poised and just and aligned and all of that and and i feel because we are on this evolutionary journey even our ugly bits so-called ugly bits because in essence there is no ugly bit serve a purpose and to trust what we feel so you know sometimes like it, in my experience concretely i've had this feeling where i just felt like you know i don't want this person in my life anymore I, I'm just, my body says no, but I can't just go out into society and say, uh, excuse me, Valentina, my body said no to you. And so then we need to make a story yeah. almost, you know, and instead of trusting that story, because I feel that nature, uh, existence will present that story perfectly so that we can say no but then we often don't trust it, you know, because we want to be polite, we want to be kind, we want to be spiritual. We have stories. We need that person for something. And yes. so we override the intuition, the erotic intuition. And we, we said, okay, no, I can't do right. this. Instead of trusting that yeah. voice and trusting means not judging it. Yeah. You know, even if other people, because I've had that very situation where then people want to make me wrong, unspiritual, or whatever. And it's like, no, I, I am. I am living my truth, you know. I'm not perfect, but also we don't need to be perfect in order to be true. You know, it's like our truth is an evolutionary process. And as long as we are present to what is true, we will grow, we will flourish, we will serve the world even with our, quote, badness. Hmm. And I just have one last question for you, actually, because mm. it's a piece, like when you say you have a client that comes to you with stage four cancer, and you suggesting maybe to go completely opposite what mainstream said, again, that piece for me of, aren't you afraid that they're going to die? Because you come across so fierceless, it's so inspiring, you know, and, and what you're saying is to trust, is not to judge your intuition. Mm. And so how, how do you manage this? Because I know you have a lot of success story where actually mm -hmm. they follow your insight and they got better, mm -hmm. they healed themselves. Mm. So what is that piece where that you trust in those moments which are really pivotal because again it's the big piece we're talking here this whole interview the fear of dying because if you're yeah. gonna be wrong they'll die chances are they were dying anyway mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. but of course the story would say i didn't make them die it wasn't my responsibility um, as if i also wasn't part of the biggest movement you know like yeah. all this crazy thought but for you where do you find that 
alignment and strength to stay pure in what you know to be true, although it might appear crazy? Well, I guess because for me it is so true. Like for me that this is the truth and it's repeatedly my experience, you know, even in my own life I've had repeated moments throughout my healing process where I thought, oh fuck, now I'm screwing myself and I'm making things worse because I had a big healing crisis or something. But the point is I still, five years on, see how the deeper I go the better I get. So, you know, it's been like, it's like trusting the process. It's kind of like a mountain climber who knows the mountain so well. And people who have never been up that mountain can go, are you sure we can make it past this big rock? You know, and they'll go, yeah, of course we can make it. I've been here 10 times, you know? Hmm. So in that sense, it's because of my own experience. And at the same time, I fully realized that the person that I work with also needs to be able to completely, it's not even trust me because it's not about me. Mm. They need to trust themselves and their body and their life. So they do, they need to understand what they're doing. Mm. And that's why most of the work that I do with people is not so much around food or the herbs or whatever. It's really about them trusting their own life force, their soul purpose and to really work on that. So in some ways, we don't really work on healing the body. Hmm. You know, we the, the body is kind of like the mechanics, but we really work, our main work is with the soul. And as long as I feel the soul is growing, so in some ways, like I, I keep elevating and growing the soul. And I say, don't worry about hmm. the body. The body will come along. You hmm. are you, you hmm. know? And, and that is what I repeatedly see is the main work. Whereas when people don't want to do that kind of work, then I, I feel like my hands are tied because then like I really don't know. So in a sense, I'm the complete opposite of a doctor. Whereas a doctor can help you with the mechanics and can fix you up. Not always, because in my case, doctor didn't help. But the doctor can often fix you up and make you good at least for now. Mm. I can't do that. I can't fix you up. I feel I can only heal all of you or nothing. Mm. There's no in between. <laughs> it also feels like you're a spiritual midwife. Like I can help you birthing yourself, but you are birthing. Yes. I can't. But, and if you don't want to be birthing, there is nothing I can do for you. Yes, that's you know, like, really that's it. That's what you request. You choose to be here with me or... Yeah. Wow, thank you, Alex. Mm, this is so inspiring. So I'm sure that whoever is listening will be curious, will be intrigued maybe to get in touch with you. Yes. So how do they go about if people want to um, work with you? Yes, how, it's, you it's the website, livingmucusfree.com. Very easy. Living mucus free, which ultimately is all about living free, because once we eliminate the mucus, which is not just the physical mucus, but also the disturbance, the energetic disturbance and gunk, then we come to live free. So livingmucusfree.com, either the website or on Instagram, they can and Facebook find as well. Me. Facebook as well, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank, Thank you so you. much. This uh, was exquisite. Yeah, I'm so inspired to start <laughs> another fast again. 
and uh, yeah and and birth myself more and more thank you yes you're welcome blessings thank you and for everybody listening you can just keep following the podcast on eroticwisdom.com and give me any suggestion any criticism and help me also grow into this uh, new project of mine and until the next time love to all ciao